Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. This is Paul Hawksby and this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We're joined by Sonny Pike. If you watch football in the 90s, then you definitely know Sonny's name, the little boy with the curly hair and the Ajax kit. He's written a fascinating new book, his uh, autobiography, so we spoke to him. Um, we brought you some clips of the month, uh, which hopefully you enjoyed. And we had a bit of a chat, of course. Here it all is. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good weekend. (laughs) (laughs) All those years of suffering and frustration and anger, it's all worth it for a day like that. What suffering, Frank? You won 19 trophies in the last... (laughs) Yeah, there was quite a long period before that. I started going in 1958. It was only 2004 they started picking up. (laughs) Well, the odd 1970s. All those years. (laughs) There was a lot of years, a lot of frustration. But it was was one of those days where you just sit there at the end of the day and you just just can't believe what's happened, really. It was was sensational. I was so delighted for Brentford. I, I do feel for Swansea fans but, but Brentford it's a great story and uh, you know it's going to be hard for them though you know the, watching that championship game you, it, it's such a step up to the middle and upper levels of the Premier League not mm. so much the lower levels which is why teams can survive and you get teams like Leeds and Sheffield United have done well but blimey it's going to be hard for Brentford it is and uh, but anyway for the time being it's going to be fun and uh, I'm really looking forward It'd to it. be interested to see to if their model which has done so well up until this point works in the Premier League if it does, I think no, you'll absolutely. find a lot more Premier League clubs following. Oh, yeah. No, no, I mean, they've got some very, very good players. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And, uh, and of course, the Champions League just was sensational, wasn't it? I mean, mm. Chelsea fully... It's funny, I, I was saying to you that the Premier League is harder than the Champions League, certainly this season. Yeah. The standard has been higher. I mean, Chelsea have played great in the Champions League. They were brilliant in the group stages, thanks to Frank Lampard. They were terrific in the knockout stages and they deserved to win the final. So, you know, whereas in the Premier League, they, they struggled. They were lucky to finish fourth, if you're yeah. being really honest. Did so, you, when you yeah. looked at the City team, did you think, oh, this has given us a leg up? Or did you think, oh, it's just another oh, yeah. attacking Absol- weapon? That oh, no, absolutely. I just thought, oh, this is good. I looked at our team and he, he picked the team I, me and Jason talked about on Friday. Yeah. So it's always good when the manager picks the same team as you. That was great. And when the, I just thought, look, 
you know, with, with I said to you, didn't I? I said games against, between City and Chelsea are either very one-sided or very tight win for Chelsea, and that's how it turned out. So mm. It turned out three times in a row, really, the same the same game. And you know, if you look at Arsenal and Leicester and uh, who else did it? Villa did well against Chelsea. They all did the same game plan. They all sat back, very low block. Chelsea, allow Chelsea and Werner to miss about five chances and then score a goal and win the game. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Leicester Werner did, did his bit. Villa did. I mean, he, oh, he yeah. made some great runs, but he did his bit in terms of missing chances. The one where he kicked his, uh, the, yeah, the ball yeah. at his standing foot. Uh, that was a, you just, honestly. I mean, having said what he said last week that, you know, if I miss a chance in a game early on, that could be it for me. He said he'd got over that, but I don't think he, I don't think he got over that. Do you? I think no. the, the occasion. Well, the one he couldn't get out of his feet. Yeah. Either. No, that was that was poor, really. But uh, it was funny at the end when Tuchel. Did you see when he went to get the, his medal? He did a Norman wisdom. Yeah. Up, up the old tripped up the stairs. Yeah. That was marvelous. Did you do the little jog? Did the little jog afterwards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do that little yeah, jog. Like I meant to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he touched Roman Abramovich. There's a photo of them on the pitch, and he's sort of touching his arm. And I said, you don't want to be doing that, mate. It's like the Queen. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. That's the first time they've met, wasn't it? I mean, I know. in those circumstances, like you said, things can only get worse, really. Aren't they? <laughs> really? The next time he probably sees him is when he comes down to the training ground and give him his cards. Probably. Yeah. But it, look, you know, everybody, you know, all, all those fans protested. Of course, they were upset about Frank Lampard. I was upset about Frank Lampard. But this methodology that Bravich has, it works. It works for him. So he's, he's not going to change it. He's not going to give a manager like a 10-year contract because he knows that somehow this chaos theory that he does, it, it kind of works. So <laughs> does, does he run ordinary. all his businesses like that? I mean, does he, you know, he's like his... <laughs> His sales manager. Only with these people yeah. going around filling stations <laughs> saying, do you need a few more miles bars? I'm not sure he's in that business. I think he's a bit higher than that. He, do, he doesn't go, yeah, you've had, you've, had a, you've had a good run on, uh, had a good run on um, Starburst. I'll get you another couple of boxes of those out the back of the Mondeo. But no, I wonder if he treats that. all of his people in his business like that. They're quick to, he's very loyal to... Uh, Marina, isn't he? He's kind of uh, yeah. right-hand uh, woman at People Chelsea. he trusts. He trusts. Mm. That's the thing. Yeah. When you're that rich, it's very hard to trust anybody. So when you find someone you can actually trust, yeah. you tend to give them a lot of latitude. That's why, you know, when she wastes £71 million on Kepa, he doesn't say anything because he mm. trusts her. You know, whereas, you know, but I mean, look, fair play. They, they've assembled a decent squad and if they get the right striker, it's going to be a very fascinating summer for a lot of yeah. clubs. No, not least your own club, Paul, and, you know, with <laughs> All the stuff about Harry Kane and Serge Aurier leaving. I just wonder if you're going to his testimonial. Yeah, I, do, no, I, I was going to say I probably can't do tomorrow because I've got to drive him to Paris. Yeah, doesn't know that yet. But uh, I'm going to bundle him into the back of the car and drive him to Paris. So yeah, I wasn't massively gutted about that. It's very interesting though. The the uh, Pochettino rumours continue and there's stories about him falling out with Leonardo, Philippe, and with Max and Charlie yesterday, saying it's more likely that Leonardo would go than Pochettino. And it's very interesting that the the, I think it's tomorrow, um, or is it, yeah, I think tomorrow is the last day for the season tickets. Uh, I think at five o'clock. I think you'll find at five past five, they're they're effectively Scotch all rumours of, of Pochettino returning. That's when Scott Parker <laughs> so is standing there with the shirt. I'm, it might even be two minutes past five, but uh, this this one is. I, I did the dirty deed. I felt I felt like a complete. I felt like I should have mugs stamped on me forehead, but I've renewed I've renewed my season tickets because that's what I do. As I said to the boys that I go with, I said to be honest, I don't really go for the football. I really just go to see them and and have a beer and a chat. Really, that's yeah, the football. 
football is normally is the it, most disappointing, crushing part of it. Well, that's all. That's a, that's what I was saying at the start. It's often that way, you know. So that's what made Saturday so good. But from a Spurs point of view, I heard Gabriel Jesus and Ake. You know, all right, they're not Harry Kane, but on the other hand, if he's clever with the money and if he's clever the way he does it, you know, the Spurs can still they still got a decent never squad. Works like that. They don't, I mean, there was a story. I mean, I know Jigo had the story this small Paul Jiggins in the Sun saying About it could Raheem. be. I can't see that Sterling and Jesus. How often do you see two players for one? player and money I mean it's it's what we all say like swap deals you you rarely see it in football do you yeah well you do rarely see it but yeah. I think this they are talking about it they're talking about this we are in an extraordinary time and you know it could it could happen we'll see well we'll know. see uh, anyway um, five o'clock this afternoon Gareth Southgate will be announcing his final 26 and in a press conference at uh, six o'clock, we'll be hearing from Fake Brothers just ahead of that to kind of set the scene. I think they're going to have a little um, little chat between one of the players, that, the, I hope, hopefully one of the players that's got in, and Gareth at <laughs> ten past five. The FA are, are doing that, so I take it it's really? one of the boys who've got in the team and Gareth having a bit of a conversation. But but we were interested in this today. If you've ever had to be the the bearer of bad news and it not going quite as well as you'd hoped, you had it all mapped out, and I suppose. <laughs> Gazza with Glenn yeah. Hoddle is the, the ultimate example from a football point of view, but it yeah. happens in life, doesn't it? Sometimes you have to break bad news to somebody as those boys are going to get that today. I mean, some of them may know uh, the way uh, the, the uh, things are going. So anyway, let us know this afternoon, the day you were a bearer of bad news. And Gareth saying today is one of the reasons he didn't want to do the job. So many managers have said to me over the years, the worst part of the job, especially when they're mm. kids, and which is something we'll come on to with Sonny Piper, when you have to say to those kids at 16, 17, we're not keeping you on. Or, or to say oh, to senior oh, yeah. pros that um, we're going to let you go. So it's the toughest part of the job. But anyway... Um, let us know uh, the day you the bearer of bad news didn't massively work out well the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport Hawksby and Andy Jacobs here on TalkSport there is a new book out it's called The Greatest Footballer That Never Was it's written by uh, Sonny Pike and as we were saying earlier on if you Watch football in the 90s, you would know Sonny Pike's name. And you're in your mind's eye, you can see a young kid with long curly hair doing keep me uppies in an Ajax kit. Sonny was uh, picked up by Ajax and went and trained over there. But before that, he was all over the place. He was on TV, he was in the papers, he was going to be the next big thing. He was pictured with George Best. Um, sometimes these things work out and uh, sometimes they don't. And um, from Sonny's point of view, uh, that uh, tilt at professional football didn't quite happen uh, as he uh, tells that story in his books. A fascinating read, an amazing story, and I think as relevant now uh, as it was then. Uh, and Sonny joins us now. Hi, Sonny. How are we? Are you all right? Yeah, we're good. Good to talk to you again. You're good. It's, um, what was it like putting this together? Was it, was it kind of cathartic? Was it a useful thing to do? Did it help kind of... Putting the st- I know you've told the story before, but committing it to to print is a kind of step further, isn't it? Well, no, it was. It's been it's been useful, massive, definitely useful for me. Uh, to be fair, the last time I was on Talk Sport, which was about four or five years ago, um, this actually gave me when I came out of the studio there. This one you was in Hatfields. I came out of the studio. My messages on on social media, people saying to me, "You've got to write a book. You've got to write a book." Mm. So I actually started coming out of that TalkSport interview last time. Uh, and and it's, it's been brilliant for me to sort of go through it in a real depth sort of thing. I've Through social media, I've got to 
back talking to people and, and friends that I had from like 15, 20 years ago and really gone for it really well. Yeah. I mean, the, the, TalkSport played another part in the story, but we'll, we'll come back to that a little bit later on, Sonny. But Andy, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a story that's still relevant today, Sonny, isn't it? I mean, you know, the, the, the kid, the prodigy that's got so much talent and the exploitation by older people who see some, you know, financial gain to be had out of this young lad succeeding. It's a, it's a difficult thing to have lived through, I think. No, def- definitely. And like you said, it's very, very typical of, of today. It's like my sort of story, I feel like, was sort of 20 years maybe before its time because, like, we've social media now uh, i mean i was like sort of sunny pipe this wonder kid but if you look on instagram and 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 social media in general there's millions of wonder kids uh next messies or whatever you want to call them yeah there's 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 loads of people in, in the same position as me now yeah mm. The let's go right back to the beginning. You were kind of scoring goals in in youth football and just kind of getting noticed, like a lot of kids do. You know, little little kids in local leagues all over the country look quite talented. But what what made you different? You know, when did you suddenly get that notoriety? It was a couple of like a no, newspaper articles locally that led to national exposure, and it just sort of steamrolled from there. Yes, exactly that. Yeah, I was playing for Enfield Football Club, and I, and like you said, scoring. I was like the top goal scorer in the league for a few years. I used to get loads of little clips in the, in the local paper. Sonny scores a clear winner or Sonny's doing really well and whatever else. And then I got scouted by a few teams. And then I ended up in uh, on London tonight. Well, for me, took me from the stage where I was sort of a known, known locally and it sort of spread onto London tonight. And there was a, I had an interview and they watched me in a game and I scored like four goals in the game done really well uh, and they asked me about my what I enjoyed in football and uh, in the 90s I started talking about Johan Cruyff, Pele, Maradona, Boca Juniors and talking about skills and this that and the other and it was just a bit, bit uh, they weren't used to a young kid sort of talking about the sort of things I was talking obviously back then the game was a lot different it was uh, long long ball and everyone was just sort of smashing each other up in the air sort of thing. <laughs> And I'm just wondering, I mean, you, you, you had Eric Hall as your agent. I mean, I loved Eric. I knew him really well. But it strikes yeah. me that maybe somebody a bit more football, a bit more, you know, professional in a sense in that way might have helped Was Eric, you. was I that kind know. of blur between showbiz well, and Well, he was showbiz. Paul, wasn't he? So you, Eric yeah. was showbiz, really. And that kind of feeds into the, what happened next, the way that, I mean, your dad <laughs> features a lot in the book. I know your relationship has, has, uh, has not been repaired, but that... F- where that come from? Not me. Oh. No, it wasn't me either. Um, <laughs> is that you? I think that's the talk, I think that's the Talksport app, isn't it? Going off. It must be breaking news. Um, yeah, oh, I've lost my train. Yeah. So suddenly, your dad noticed you're getting this notoriety. You started to get sponsorship. You had your own kind of kit deal. Suddenly, as you said, there was a lot of clubs around. You were doing lots and lots of TV. You're on the pitch at Wembley doing keepy uppies. And what, what was it like yeah. for you in the middle of all this, being kind of sort of shoved from pillar to post and doing all this sort of stuff? Were you? Do you remember at the time enjoying it or not? Well, the, the thing was, I think when I went to Ajax. When I came back from my ex, like you said, I started getting all the the, the boot deals uh, sponsored by Paul Smith, Coca Cola Kid, McDonald's advert, uh, and like when I first came back, it was like I just I, was, I remember just saying to my dad, I just want to concentrate on my football, and he's like, Yeah, yeah, we're done, we're done this bit now, and then it, it just led on to one thing led to another, and I just don't think we get to a situation where you could say no to anything, and it, and then I'll just remember a lot of the time looking up into him like. 
I suppose kids do, just like, come on, I just, I just want to play football. And, I, and, I, and, and this is my story, but I can sort of sense there's a lot of kids, maybe if they don't even want to play football as much and their dad's like, no, you are going to play, you're going to play football. So, and I got this in that sense where my dad just took his, uh, his, his, his drives to sort of make me become like this sort of celebrity character, a uh, celebrity kid, which which I didn't really want at all, which sort of led to me having anxiety, anxiety, panic attack. Uh, and that was the sort of start of where it starts to sort of turn again. Yeah. I mean, we'll, get, we'll give people an idea of the kind of level of fame you were reaching. You appeared on Skinner and Badil's Fantasy Football. Andy was the producer of that show, and we listened back to the, the clip earlier on. This is uh, just a little a bit of that uh, conversation that you had with uh, David and Frank on the show. Do you really, really want to be a professional footballer? Is that always what you wanted to be? Yeah, I always wanted to be. Since I've been little, I used to watch, like, Liverpool. And... <laughs> 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 now, when did you start playing? When did you first kick a ball? Uh, in the 1990 World Cup, around then. I don't remember you at all. <laughs> <laughs> Shame in a way that you're going to Ajax. Why haven't Chelsea been in touch? <laughs> Have you not had no English clubs at all? Have <laughs> 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 no English clubs been in touch at all? Yes, uh, been most of them. Like you had Manchester United, Arsenal, Spurs, Norwich, Ipswich. Well, so the whole Palace of the Premier League. That is quite telling, actually, Sonny, listening to that, because they laugh, as they do, because you are a little kid sitting there as a little kid saying, I've always wanted to be a footballer since I was a little kid. But yeah. it kind of it, it's telling what you'd already gone through in your short life, um, that, that it felt like a lifetime ago. When you look back on being a little kid, it was like your youth was stolen from you. Yeah, yeah, well, this is it. This is it. And if you, if you read the book, you'll sort of understand from, like, from 10, 10 to 14... Especially between 12 and 14, it was a full-time sort of job. So the football become less and the priority was adverts or whatever else we was doing. Football become on, I was on the back burner. So, uh, yeah, I, that, that's definitely the way it's sort of going. And like you said, I, I sort of lost out on a lot of my childhood and birthdays and this, that and the other and, and, and different normal things, I suppose. Mm. There was a TV documentary <clears throat> as well that Greg Dyke put mm. together that, that maybe well, you felt was going to be another showcase and put your name out there, but it was a piece about sort of exploitation of young players and, and talent yeah. spotting, and that was almost the sort of final nail in the career coffin, wasn't it, really? A lot of, lot of people uh, backed away from you at that point, including some of the clubs. Yeah, yeah, that was that was it. Because I, I suppose for the for the few years before, I sort of my, my sort of family life become sort of a say civil war. Let's say like so, my my coach Terry and my mum was sort of saying to me like my dad's best interest was just he was more worried about making me a celebrity, and my dad was coming in here the other way, and I was caught between the two. But then the documentary came out, and, and like you said, I was expecting it just to be a documentary like maybe how well I'm doing and whatever else. Uh, and it turned out to be coaching and poaching, and, and they sort of filmed me behind the camera, uh, behind a curtain, like secretly, like a, like a sort of secret mission of me being on trial or, or training at another team at Chelsea, actually it was. And then they put it together at the end, and then it's just like me being coached up and this, that, and the other. And then they made, uh, then it was in the papers after that for a while. They sort of span it for a little bit longer, and then ended up in courts with my family and everything else. It's sort of a that was definitely the, the final nail in the coffin, for sure. Well, we'll, we'll chat to Sonny after the uh, sports headlines about how he put, slowly put his life back together. It, it wasn't easy, but he's, he's in a much happier place now, as I think you can hear. But we'll continue telling his story. The book is uh, The Greatest Footballer 
that uh, never was, and uh, it's out in uh, hardback now, published by Reach. Uh, we'll uh, chat to Sonny a bit more in a few moments' time. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. We're chatting to Sonny Pike, that star of the 90s, the boy with the uh, long curly hair in the Ajax kit who was all over our TV screens and our papers, as we said, in the early to mid-90s. Uh, He's written his uh, autobiography, The Greatest Footballer That Never Was. And uh, we met, I think, probably when you were still in your early 20s, Sonny. I was having some building work done at home. One of the boys, Daryl, said, Sonny Pike's upstairs. He's doing some work with us uh, today. And I did, went up and had a little conversation with you. You were doing, you know, some labouring. You were doing different mm. sorts of work. And um, at that time, you said, you know, you were toying with the idea of, of going abroad. I think you were looking to get back into non-league. You'd been playing a bit of non-league, but... I think subsequently you sort of fell out of love with football, didn't you? It was um, having got so close to stardom, it was quite difficult not to be in that situation anymore. Yeah, that was it. So I, I sort of just I stopped. I ended up at Stevenage, and then uh, I, I was there for about a couple of seasons between 16, 18, and then a little bit at Barnet, and then I played a few games there. Uh, I, I knew. After when I was 15, 16, after some, some events that happened in my life, that my football career had to sort of become on, on second best to sort of my mindset, let's say, because I knew what way I was going. But then I'd done the non-league for, for a little bit as a, as a young boy still. And like you said, I ended up working just as, a, as, a, as I was doing a bit of labour in there at that point with my friend Chris yeah. and uh, ended Ended up in your shower, if I remember rightly. That's too. right, ripping the tiles <laughs> off the wall for Oz. That's right. Yeah, he's a, quite a character. He's a show in himself. Yeah, um, the but you did you went off and did the knowledge, as you said. You sort of built a different life for yourself. But it's interesting to say talks about playing a little bit of, of a part of you getting back into football with when Colin Murray was uh, with us, our old colleague. He put together a little charity game, didn't he? And 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 got you involved, and it gave you the appetite for the game again. It did, yeah. I think just even just talking as well, just being on the interview last time, uh, I came out with such a sense of relief. Like, I, I went and got in my taxi after, I'm obviously a black cab driver as well, got in my cab, I just felt so relieved, like, just that people understood a little bit more about my story instead of just like, hey, it wasn't good enough, he didn't make it. Not that I want sort of that sort of towards me anyway, but just so people understand a little bit more maybe what I went through. And then, like you said, I, I started got, got that off my chest, started playing a little bit more, and then all of a sudden, like that was say four or five years ago, I've sort of gone, I've gone like full circle to a certain extent. I'm sort of coaching and doing quite a lot with the game now again, which is, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's lovely. And uh, life is good for you now, as you just explained. But you had the wilderness years, tough times. And uh, yeah. coming out of it, you know, it must have been very, very difficult. I mean, you must have suffered. I suppose you suffered mentally like a lot of people would in that circumstance. I mean, one of the tough things is that the first question most people ask when they when they know you're Sonny Pike, they say, what went wrong? I mean, if, if your life is defined by that, that must be really tough because that's obviously the first question that, that, pe- that people probably used to ask you at a certain time, Sonny. That's it. They say, what what happened? What happened? In that, in so, that sort of tone, if you know what I mean. I'm mm. like, well, really got the time to go through it I mean that's why I think this book has done me so much favours because like it's, there's so much involved in it sort of thing there are different sort of lanes and different avenues I've taken in life with football and without football uh, yeah so it's nice to get that sort of out of me but yeah it's it's, it's, it's working well for me now anyway 
You you um, you say you're working. You got your own academy, and you're working with uh, young kids uh, on kind of on the cusp of the game. I mean, from a football and, and skills point of view, but I would imagine also managing yeah. their expectations uh, as well, because there's you probably see stars in the eyes of a lot of the kids that come through your place, and, and you know, it's quite difficult to manage a kid's expectations, probably as it was yours when when you know you think you're going to be a pro. Of course, yeah. I mean. I actually enjoy talking to the parents and the parents like coming back and forth, uh, sort of talking to me. So talking to the kids, talking, talking to the parents and just being that sort of that other little figure that maybe I think to myself that I could have had maybe when I was younger, I could have had that sort of person. I mean, I had Terry, which is brilliant for me. But he was on a hiding to nothing really from the amount of stuff that was going on. Uh, but to be that sort of character that can sort of help them and guide them, like technically that's my sort of thing. I love all the details and, and the, and the skills and whatever else, but like to be there as that sort of guy, doesn't the mindset wise is feels just as important to me. Mm. And uh, you're you still a Chelsea fan, Sonny? You still follow the team? No, you know I'm actually Liverpool. Oh right. You, oh, you've turned him. Yeah, I thought you were Chelsea. <laughs> no, 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 Liverpool. I was going to go no. and sign for Chelsea. That was the thing. Yeah. Right. Did you ever? Oh, right, could okay. you? Did you ever have the chance? Did Liverpool ever come calling as well? Did you have conversations? You don't have conversations they, with them? No, I think Liverpool was probably the only one. Typically, <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, yeah. There is a chapter in your book called "The Next Big Thing," and I, I'll recount the conversation you had with a dad who phoned you up. He says, "Here, Sonny, can you coach my kid, mate?" And you say, "Who is he?" And the dad says, well, he's five. He's not a normal five-year-old, though. He swims three times a week. He's got a personal trainer coming in twice a week. He no, does no. golf. And I want him to get started in football. And you say, are you for real? I mean, the thing is, we say your story is as relevant now as it, as it was then because the attitude of some parents and people around them hasn't changed, has it, really? And you probably see that all the time. And it must trouble you because you, you could see the way it could pan out for this kid. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, you just see them sort of. It's, it's tough to get that. I, I always say it's like walking on a tightrope when I talk to the parents to get that balance of obviously I'm the same. I, I kids play football and, and my son plays football, for instance, but I want him to enjoy his football first. But also, also I know that he's got to work hard. So it's just getting that balance in between the two is so important. But it is a tough, it's a tough thing to do. But obviously, just you just either, it seems to me you either get parents that are either sort of extreme and over top over the top of it or they're sort of clueless with it do you know what i mean it's tough it's tough it is a tough one to sort of negotiate through that in the, in the right way and do you ever play now do you ever put the boots on apart from coaching yeah i've played a handful of games i've played a few games talk sport with you guys have asked me on a couple of a uh, couple of games and I've played uh a few five sides of my friends but not not a lot but i've got another game next month actually that i'm looking forward to Okay. There's, um, your dad did reach out, didn't he, via Facebook? You you write about it in the book. Um, but yeah. you're not interested in picking that relationship. Has too much gone on in that relationship for, for that to be repaired? I mean, you, you never know in life. But, I mean, it's just, for me, it's just, for me, it was just sort of the timing of when he's come back to me, like he thinks I'm going to get, sort of got a book deal, and then all of a sudden he wants to talk to me again. So I thought it was a bit strange. But... Uh, Listen, you never know. I've got no hard feelings. I mean, this is completely out of me. It's more about me sort of trying to help other people with it now. Do you know what I mean? So, listen, I'm sort of a happy-go-lucky, relaxed sort of guy these days. 
you you talk in the book as well. I mean, let's look at some of the, the the exciting stuff. You did some amazing things. You know, as I said, there's the dark side to it. But I mean, ultimately, you say in the book about being around that Ajax team, seeing those first team players. It was a great Ajax team, and and meeting the manager, meeting the players. And so there must have been there must have been some sort of pinch me moments, even as a kid. Oh um, yeah, massively. I remember when we turned up in brilliant times, things I'll never forget. Uh, we turned up to the Ajax Grand and uh, my dad was clueless about any, anything to do with football, but he, he just wanted to help me do my best at the beginning of it. He was on a, on a mission to help me and we was doing really well. If you read the book, you'll see that. It, it, we're just trying, we're on a mission. Uh, and we turn up in the coffee shop, in the, they had a little coffee shop above the uh, training ground, looking onto the first team training and Van, uh, Van Gaal comes in and gives me some biscuits because I'm drinking like a hot chocolate and then my dad's like, who's that? I'm like, that's Van Gaal. He's like, oh, okay, whatever. And then he goes, come watch the first team train. And I just remember looking, I went down to the first team train. I was on my own, holding on to a sort of chain link fence, my eyes through it. I could see Lippmann, Canu, Overmars, Gabor, uh, Bergkamp. And I was just like that. My tongue must have been hanging out the other side of the chain link fence. <laughs> they were doing certain skills. I would go back to the, the digs I was staying in and I was trying to copy everything. Uh, it was infectious. It was unbelievable. Like the the effects it had on me. And do you think? Sorry. Oh, on. My final question is: if if you had just concentrated on football, do you think you could have been a top player? Yeah, but you 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 you, you never know because I never sort of got that. I felt like mentally it was sort of taken away from me. Like I mean, it's like my mind was sort of just on another complete. Other job, if you understand where I'm coming from, but technically, I, I just felt as good as anyone, if not better, in, to be honest with you. But like things happen, how it works out. Yeah, and finally, your lad, your lad Bowie, mummy, he really looks like you as well when you were young. Yeah, and you say he's playing uh, football now. Um, I mean, has he got a chance? And if he did, would you mind him going down that route? I mean, I, I imagine he'd be un, he'd be under. Pretty good tutelage. You've been pretty safe hands from your point of view, wouldn't he? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's just literally he's just started. He, he he's a good little player. He enjoys his football, and and just trying to keep it like that for now. I don't want to be sort of over pushing him that he's got to do this, that, and the other. I just want to enjoy his football and sort of see where he goes with it. As long as he's smiling, and enjoying himself. He's at a, he's at a football camp now, so he'd just be running around <laughs> like a lunatic in the garden. Any yeah, he's all good. And I've got. That's great. Yeah, brilliant. Well, look, lovely to talk to you, Sonny. We wish you well with the book. It is, it's it's a great. You're in a you're in a good place these days, and things are working out. Uh, where can we find a bit, bit more about your academy? There could be some uh, mums and dads out there, some kids, uh, you know, looking to yeah. uh, tap into your skills. Where do they go? Uh, it's just it's if you go on Instagram, it's Sunny One on One. Yeah, yeah, and it's just Sunny One on One. And then I'm on Twitter, like you you guys know anyway. So mm. yeah, I'm on there. Brilliant. All the best, Sonny. Good to talk to you. Thank you very much. Take care. Sonny Pike's book, The Greatest Footballer That Never Was, let me say, published by Reach uh, in hardback now. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Yes, it's time for the clips of the month. For May, we have got uh, six for you, and you can go along to Twitter at TSHNJ, T-S-H-A-N-D-J. We'll have a couple of semi-finals you can vote for, and then a final, of course, and just before four o'clock, 
we will bring you the winning clip once again. So at TSHNJ. So let's bring you the clips then, and uh, we'll kick off with one from earlier this month, of course. Well, early, sorry, last month. Uh, we were surprised to hear a seal called Vinny phone the station, then suddenly lose his nerve. Vinny's a Man United fan. Hi, Vin. Vinny. Vin. Oh. Lost his nerve, didn't he? <laughs> what a shame. Poor old <laughs> Vinny. Vinny the seal. Quite a few people on TalkSport seem to be struggling with excess gas during May. First, Rupert Bell. We're heading back to more like normality, and hopefully there's no reason you wouldn't have thought the way it is in America now in September that we can't have normal crowds. <laughs> we are. And yeah. uh, then former boxer Tony Bellew. We're going to be putting the whole of the heavyweight division in one night, and it's all it's two British legends. And that's the most important thing. Tony, just <clears throat> watching... God, blimey, everybody had a little bit of gas. A little pocket of wind there. Now, you've probably heard of the 1970s rock and roll group Shawaddy Waddy, but we're guessing Faker others hadn't. Bands from Leicester, this says this... Um, oh, it's Mark the Hammer, here we go. Show a daddy. Play three steps to heaven, says Mark, and well done to Leicester. Show a daddy. Um, great, now, this was Paul <laughs> Coit chatting to the former Spurs and England player Darren Anderton, who suddenly appeared to be possessed by the devil. I think everyone comes comes away feeling very disappointed and, and very worried about the future of the star man. How important is <laughs> Harry Kane in hand? We went from that point to and became stronger. Um, I think this would be a little bit more difficult. Sure. What would you do, though, if, if you're the... Um... <laughs> Darren Anderton these days, very big on the death metal scene, of course. <laughs> he is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And finally, it was Alan Brazil chatting about his family. My granddaughters called me Alan the other day. I'm like, what? No way. Well, my name, they, they call, my, my name is, believe it or not, Gingong. <laughs> yeah, Alan's nickname with the family is Gingong. But uh, the way he said that, of course, did remind us of something. My name is. My name is. My name is. Gingong. My name is. My name is. My name is. Gingong. So there we are. That's the clips of the month for May. So was it number one, Vinnie the Seal phoning uh, the sports bar? Was it number two, Rupert Bell's burp? Was it number three, Tony Bellew's burp? Uh, was it uh, Show a Daddy with Faye? Number four. Was it uh, Darren Adam possessed by the devil, which is a phrase that I'd never use, at five? Or was it um, Alan and uh, Slim Shady together at last? So um, go along to at TSHNJ, T-S-H-A-N-D-J, uh, the semi-finals will be up shortly. Vote for your favourites. Around sort of 3.30, 3.35, we'll have uh, the two finalists and you can vote once again. And uh, the winner will be played just before uh, Goffey and Andy Goldstein are here with Drive. So, uh, uh, Andy, anything you want to share with the class? Yes, uh, my first story is basically comes under the heading of statements no one wants to hear. And this comes from Deontay Wilder. Uh, Deontay Wilder claims he will decapitate and disfigure Tyson Fury when they fight again. He won't, will he? It's just not A won't and B is going to lose. Well, it's, and nobody it's wants also to hear just, it's not, it's never helpful that, is it? I mean, it's, it's just tedious, dumb isn't chat, isn't it, really? And, uh, I know, yes, yeah, people have had enough of that, really. Um, yes, the longest chip PR contest continues. Oh, yeah. 
this yeah. is the thing we talked about last week where the uh, chip companies, well-known chip companies, I think deliberately put in a very large one for some somebody to find and then ring up the papers, and uh, it seems to be working. It's Willy Wonka's golden ticket. I'm still working on Twiglets. I've, I'm quite excited. I showed you the other day, Paul, a, a trident and a seahorse. Mm. Uh, I came up with a duck on the weekend as well, so I've oh, now good. got three. Yeah, a nice collection of... You're getting, on, you're getting odd-shaped <laughs> yeah. twiglets. It's a sort of item as well that lends itself to odd shapes, though, isn't it, From in the factory process? I can imagine that uh, most yeah. of them just look like twiglets, but you found that... That's pretty good, a <laughs> duck. Is it a good duck? Yeah. It, oh, it's very good, yeah. I'll, okay. I'll let you have a look at it. Yeah, I'll um, send it to you later. If you're off on holiday <laughs> at wait. Bali, although who can go on holiday at Bali at the moment, yeah. but if you can, be careful, because there was a picture emerged today of um, some people being punished for not wearing face masks uh, out and about. Do you know what they got them doing? What? Press-ups. There was three lads. Uh, the uh, army had stopped them for not having masks on, making them do press-ups. That's quite so an that could be quite a fearsome do, sight on the beach in Benidorm, couldn't it? So, <laughs> yeah, you could. can't do that in Bali, so that, be careful. Now, Jonathan Wilson's an excellent writer. We've had him on the show, and he writes brilliant books about football. Mm. And he has quite a, a left-field approach to it. But I have to say this one, that he was talking about Pep's decision to uh, not play a holding midfielder. You won't see this very often in a sports uh, newspaper. He said, selecting no holding midfielder on Saturday, Pep has become like Oedipus leaving Corinth to try and ensure he can never meet his parents again. Yeah. Don't, don't all fans think like that? Yeah, that's, well, that brilliant. was my immediate thought. But uh, yeah, just oh, yeah. up in the ante a bit. Now, the cheese rolling would have happened yesterday. Oh, yes. Very but sad. Um, it didn't because uh, from a COVID point of view, and, it, and it's obviously a health and safety nightmare, people charging down a hill. We've had some. But still, the, the keeper of the cheese goes out there and symbolically rolls a single double Gloucester down the hill, a lone double yeah. Gloucester. It's like it's like well, the it's last very... post, and they <laughs> yeah. just roll it down the hill as just to, just to mark the fact that a cheese has just been just to rolled, keep so. it going. Yeah, it's a great event. I do. Andy Smart's done it. It's quite dangerous, isn't it? Oh I mean, yeah, it's quite dangerous. No question. It's incredibly about it. well, dangerous. We also asked yeah. you. Uh, uh, Gareth has been uh, bringing bad news to people today, and you'll hear that squad during drive to five the last twenty six. Uh, Gab Cancello's been in touch. He said I had to break the news to an unsuccessful candidate in my department who didn't get a promotion. She burst into tears, started punching her leg, then stood up and threw a chair across the office and stumped, stomped oh, no. out. Um, she later came God. back and apologised, but uh, threw a chair. Yeah. That is quite impressive, isn't it? Well, that is, that's, that's good, isn't it? Uh, the Duke of Kent is to take uh, the late Prince Philip's place at Trooping the Colour. Has anyone told him there's no tennis involved? He might be quite yeah, disappointed. Can, yeah, yeah, he would have, yeah, he would have liked all the Especially in June. Him. He's getting ready for Wimbledon. I mean, it's big for him. Uh, Sid Vaughan, who often writes to The Sun, has oh, been yes. talking about the football season. He's mm. uh, delivered his views on it. And, uh, of course, I can't find it now, which is absolutely typical. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> Brilliant. I wrote it down on my list. Oh, yes. Oh, there it is. Yes. No. Yes, here it is. Here it is. <laughs> The Champions League final was fantastic, apparently, according to Sid. A tribute to fans in English football. Mm. Chelsea are champions of Europe. Yes, we know that. But what an incredible feat for Manchester City, winning the Premier League and League Cup and only just missing out on the quadruple. Still not telling you anything you don't know there, but never mind. With Leicester City winning the FA Cup, I knew that too, and European Super League hopefully buried once and for all. What a season, he says. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I would say about the last season is not what a season. And my team won the Champions League, and I still thought it was pretty awful, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Andy, last year you bought the Loch Ness FC shirt, didn't you? I did, yeah. I've seen this season. The this, new he hasn't one. Got a, he hasn't got a monster on it, so I'm not it buying has. it. It has. 
Oh, no, you, you've not... That's it? Yeah, you clearly haven't. Uh, really? David Wharton sent it. He said, uh, hey, make Andy aware of this. They've gone the extra mile this season. It's a, a, it's a, a dark shirt with gold piping, but on the bottom yes. of it is Nessie. Did you manage to miss at the bottom of the shirt? Oh, I've obviously the missed Loch Ness it, yeah. monster. Like a lot of people have, but obviously you can't see it. But, uh, yeah, Nessie's there, a little <laughs> Scottish <laughs> castle. Maybe the, that's the idea, the yeah, exactly. I don't, know oh, you managed, I, don't know I don't know you managed to do that. It's, it's huge. It I looked at right it across thought, the bottom of the shirt. And also, you know... That's You've done it once. How many, yes, how many Loch Ness teep shirts that I'm never going to wear do I need? I've got no so I haven't idea. actually worn it. I think I wore it for Football Shirt Friday, which was quite fun. Mm. But I was, I've had a change of clothes. I went different shirt every hour. That's the way I roll. Indeed. Is that what, what, did you have the lucky shirt on for the Champions League final? What did you do? You know what? I decided not to do any of it and just wear what I was wearing. and Which was a Stanford the Lion outfit, complete with head. <laughs> just a normal... Actually, black. I was in, the, I was in all black. So oh, really? I don't know okay. why. Black. Yeah. Really? It was like, you see, 11... like Pep, were you? Oh, yeah, very much yeah. so, yeah. Uh, 11,000 people applied to be a donut tester, <laughs> uh, which is hardly surprising when it involved free donuts. Yeah, it's a good gig, isn't it? <laughs> it's like a good really gig. Up. Yeah. I do like a donut. I never had the. Be a shame to lose the moose, but you know, good luck to him. Um, Sunday Cup final. This is from Colebrook Royals Vets. Sunday Cup final. One player's dad owned the minibus company and supplied the coach, but I subbed his son at half time, which meant we didn't have a bus home after an extra time winner. That's that's bad, that's isn't it? That's not right. That's bad. Bearing bad news. You know, you've got to be. <laughs> such, that's such a competitive dad, isn't it? You can't take my son off. I'm going. Yes. That's not good. Anyway. That's the sort of thing I'm, I probably would have done. And finally, bringing it all back to sport, mm. the priest who married Boris Johnson on the weekend is a keen Arsenal fan. There you go. So who knew? The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Just time to bring you the winner of the Clips of the Month. It was Alan Brazil, 75% of the vote. Uh, Alan yes. talking about his family. 
my granddaughter's called me Alan the other day. I'm like, what? No way. Well, my name, they, they call, my, my name is, believe it or not, Gingong. Yeah, Gingong. <laughs> and uh, that did remind <laughs> us of something, of course. <laughs> my name is... My name is... My name is... Gingong. My name is... My name is... My name is... Ding-dong. <laughs> Definitely release that. Thanks for everybody who yeah, voted. I prefer the original. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. I'm back here with Max Rushton tomorrow. Don't forget birthday spread on Thursday. Andy will return for that. But uh, until then, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.